wake up, wake up, From Jerusalem, Israel, this is From the Midwest to the Middle East, the podcast that explores everything new in U.S. and Israeli economy. Here's your host, Philip Stein. I'm really pleased to be having this podcast today. First of all, this episode is brought to you by Philip Stein and Associates, the largest U.S. CPA firm in Israel, providing U.S. tax services to Israelis, Americans, corporations, startups, and anyone else needing them. I'm very happy today to be talking about a subject that all of us love, which is food. And it's become a more popular subject in many of my podcasts, but I think I've Really, an inter- I believe I have a very interesting guest today, Noam Sharon. Noam Sharon worked 20 years as a top lawyer in Israel, and he made a change. He broke away from the corporate world to pursue an entrepreneurial path, driven by the belief that he should insist on loving what we do, and from that place that we can create things that others will love too. His passions lie in creating innovative products that give people amazing options they never had before. And it was that passion paired with his love of a challenge that led him to his current role, which is the co-founder and CEO of Chickpea Foods. I hope I pronounced it correctly, Noam. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Philip. Uh, Thank you for this encouraging uh, introduction and for having me on your podcast. Okay, so... There's all kinds of, you know, we hear the word alternative energy, alternative investments, alternative resources, uh, and there's a lot of alternatives when it comes to food. That's certainly something I think in the last decade, I hear more and more, particularly from Israel, if it's alternatives to meat, uh, and in your case, alternatives to dairy, but you seem to come at it from an interesting starting point, which, which are chickpeas, which is your company, CHKP. Uh, why? How did you get there? Uh, like many good things in life, uh, totally by by chance, uh, randomly. Uh, I met uh, I met uh, Noam, the other Noam, uh, my co-founder, who comes from a different background, um, in 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 a in a in a, at a social event, and the, the the conversation went to to alternative proteins and to and more focused on on chickpeas because. At the time, chickpea protein was uh, nowhere, nowhere to be found, uh, to be found in an unknown. And it so happened that uh, Noam and you, some of the two of the Israeli innovative uh, startup companies that were ma- that were making this, uh, that were working on creating this uh, protein uh, and uh, and commercializing it through their own proprietary uh, know-how and, and Noam was very very insistent in his you know in his conversation with me that this is an innovative groundbreaking ingredient that can change a lot of uh, a lot of food categories i didn't know much or at all about food at the time except for eating it but uh, but I, I i was persuaded enough to go to a meeting we met one of the companies that were making this uh, Protein and and everything went really really quickly from that point because we were totally taken by the samples that were on the table, and we decided that we need to do something about it, do something with it. So we bought a few kilos and started some kitchen experimenting, and very very quickly, both before we even knew it, we found ourselves with our own lab uh, in Israel. We found ourselves with money that we raised from investors, and most importantly, with Asaf, our third co-founder, who is one of the most knowledgeable, experienced, seasoned 
and creative food scientist in Israel when it comes to plant-based protein with, with experience that rages beyond a decade of uh, meat analogs, uh, dairy alternative, etc. And ever since, um, we kind of tied our destiny with this uh, amazing, surprising ingredient, which is the, the, the chickpea generally and chickpea protein uh, in a more focused way. I think it, probably 100%, if, if you mentioned uh, what food is connected to chickpeas in Israel, probably 100% of Israelis would say hummus, okay? If I go to the United States, as you know, you have to say hummus if you go yeah. into a, a supermarket, and maybe maybe 50% might know of it is, if that. But, but here you have a product that's known connected very strongly to one particular food product, um, but you seem to be offering a line of products that are very different. Okay, and I think my listeners would be fascinated to hear what, what those line of products are. Absolutely. This was where the fun was, and this was where the challenge was for us. Because, you know, being Middle Eastern, after all, and hummus is something that connects the inter-religion, inter-ethnic, inter-nationality in the Middle East. Everyone loves hummus, regardless of where they stand. Uh, it was seemed at the time like a, like a huge challenge and maybe also huge fun to take this savory, uh, rough textured center plate dish and and turn it into something smooth, creamy, delicious like a, like white or flavored uh, yogurt. And once we understood it's an option, we can do it, and and moreover, we can do it well. This became the mission. And I'm not saying we didn't have fun, uh, you know, being on this mission. We, we have and still have lots of. But uh, eventually, after two years of uh, development, we created something that we're super proud of. It's uh, it's yogurt that most people who taste uh, can't believe it's uh, non-dairy. And, uh, and they certainly don't relate it to... The other, the other great uh, dishes you can make from uh, from chickpeas, the, the savory, the center plate dishes. So that's that's what we've been up to for the first two years in development. Uh, our like uh, flagship product is of course the yogurt that we've also also launched in the US, but we have created a portfolio. Uh, the p- portfolio nowadays comprises uh, uh, cream cheese, sweet desserts, puddings, uh, milk flavored milk, barista milk. So we're more than a yogurt company or a, or, a, or, or a chickpea company. A few months ago, my wife and I were, on a, were in Spain and we, did a, uh, we signed up for a Jewish tour of Barcelona. And on that tour, the guide showed us a, a storefront and said, you know, this was the storefront for, for a Turkish Jew who came to Spain named Danone. Yeah. Started... Dan and yogurt. It was a health product. And even as, as a child, I grew up, of course, in the United States. That's obvious from my accent. Maybe there was some small section that had yogurts in the grocery, but it was, it was really a very specific health product. And today, when you walk into a supermarket in the United States, there can be a whole aisle now just of yogurt. Okay. So where do you fit in with this, this as you say, delicious non-dairy product 
and I'm in the yogurt section being overwhelmed by the choices and the flavors and, and the manufacturers, where, where will I find you? Uh, well, the U.S. market, the American Crave for Yogurt, started about 17 years ago when a, a, a refugee from, uh, from Kurdistan came to the U.S. His name is Handi Ulukaya, and he's the one that founded Chobani Yogurt, the, the, right, the famous right. Greek yogurt. The, there was Greek yogurt in the U.S. before, but, uh, but uh, Chobani were the ones who made it such a big thing like it is. Today, in most uh, natural channel stores, you will find mostly on the right side of the aisle, you'll find the dairy yogurts with the Chubani, Faya, Danone, uh, or the, 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 the usual suspects. And on the left side, you will normally find, uh, you will find the plant-based version. The plant-based version, because you mentioned alternatives in, in, the, in the beginning of this call, alternatives usually emerge when people feel something is off with the original offering. So we do see throughout the years that we've been engaged in this, we see, we see a huge, huge stream of consumers seeking to, to alternate, to shift from animal sourced, uh, sourced uh, products to plant, to plant based product. And today, the, the, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, I'm happy to share that the plant based yogurt shelf is, is fairly crowded with some nice offering. That wasn't the case when we started, when we first analyzed. It was dominated by the big players with with products that were created and designed back in the day where the people buying plant-based yogurt were the captive audience, either lactose intolerance, uh, um, re- religious uh, vegans, uh, parve, parve consumers, etc. And this is not the case anymore uh, nowadays because nowadays most of plant-based consumers do it out of ethics, health concerns, um, uh, climate change concerns, you name it. The, the motivations and the drivers are so different from what they were like 10 years ago. And, and the shelf is growing accordingly and is expected to further grow. And we, we feel that we can gain our place on this shelf uh, with, with the very distinct and, and, and valuable uh, value proposition. So, you know, one thing that comes to mind when I think of uh, the, the meat alternatives that are out there, you know, so they came out and then a few years they're in the marketplace and you start hearing like the big burger chains like Burger King and they're offering then a meat alternative. They realize better to fight them, might as well as they say, join them. So, so where are you in terms of the, your relationship to the traditional dairy players? Are, do they view as a foe or a potential friend? Uh, maybe both. Maybe both. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a complex situation. Uh, but when, when you look at the map of, uh, of the big American dairies, the one who hadn't uh, gone under, like Dean Food, but the ones who, who, who still thrive and grow, like the, the, the big names, you find that all of them have plant-based offerings. All of them develop plant-based brands. Some like the known years ago, and they are very established. Some, uh, some only recently in recent years, but they all understand that in order to preserve and and uh, and to grow their current customer uh, customer base, they need to extend the offer to plant based. So uh, surprisingly, even being that small, smallish, microscopic uh, uh, startup, we are talking with all of them. They know us. They know what mm-hmm. we do. 
which can be scary also sometimes. Correct. But we are not, but we are noticeable and, uh, and, uh, and we are, like Tal Brody said at the time, at the day, we are, we are on the map. We are You're very, very, very yeah. small dot on the map. But uh, they know us, they talk to us, they're curious about what we're doing. And it's perceived as being very innovative. So I think myself included, my listeners, we probably, if you took us out to the farm, we probably could not identify a garbanzo bean plant, okay? So obviously you're, you're dependent on agriculture. Tell us a little about how your, your raw product gets to market and is there any been, been any issues uh, as your demand perhaps has grown for chickpeas? You know, you are still competing with the traditional hummus manufacturers and do you have any supply chain issues that you've come up against? Uh, well, first of all, I can share with you very secretly that uh, that our inventory policy is to it is to buy more, much more than we need to cover us from from any unpleasant surprises in in supply chain or a price surge. We we came across the supply chain uh, crisis with some other ingredients that we use. Uh, the 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 war in Ukraine uh, did the. Uh, um, did affect the, the supply, like uh, for for example, products that derive from uh, from sunflower, because you, the Ukraine is the number one uh, producer of sunflower in the world, mm-hmm. and that at that time we were still using some some derivatives of sunflower, and there are other examples. Specifically with the with the chickpeas, we did not uh, we did not come in in any straits uh, of of supply uh, to date. But uh, we constantly watch us because times are indeed uh, turbulent, like uh, like you say. Where where are, where are chickpeas generally grown in the United States? Uh, in the U.S., chickpeas are grown in uh, mostly in California. Canada is the number two or three oh, really? manufacturer of uh, chickpeas in the world, which is surprising because chickpea chickpea thrives in semi desert and. Uh, right. And uh, Canada is, is different, but it's very versatile. There's a lot of chickpea grown in, in East Africa, Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Ukraine is a big producer. China is a big producer. But then, no doubt, although Israelis think that Israel is the hummus nation, it's far from being the truth because the, the, real, uh, the, real, uh, the real deal, the real uh, chickpea nation is India. Mm-hmm. India, the, the world, the world manufactures, the world produces about 17 million tons of wow. chickpeas annually. Um, India crea- does 10 of this, 10 of the 17. They eat it all up and they buy another 2 million from Canada. Because uh, in many ways, chickpea is the meat of India. It's, uh-huh. it's, a, it's, a, it's a masterpiece of nature. Interesting. Uh, it 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 contains it contains high high quality protein contains fat it contains uh, starch as as carbs nutritional uh, fibers um, amazing nutrients it's a uh, chickpeas is, is something really amazing so so in India it's it's one of the most common if not the most common staple food so that's roughly how the hummus map the, the chickpea map is divided uh, globally. Now, do your, you know, if I think of a typical yogurt commercial, you know, and and, uh, certainly, well, it's also on Israeli TV, there's quite a bit of yogurt commercials in the United States, of course. It's usually young, very healthy, fit people, 
Do your do your products appeal to a certain demographic? Uh, currently, the, the answer is in the positive. It's yes. Uh, I hope in the future it will change. It, 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 uh, plant-based options will come the, the default for consumers. But nowadays, because, because the motivations to move to plant-based, uh, to move to alternative protein, our, uh, our health, our environment, our climate change, our ethics, animal welfare, all these are normally common to affluent and educated communities, like the ones you will find on the, on the Northeast and the ones you will find in Southern California, partly Pacific Northwest, and, and today's uh, partly Texas and Florida. So mostly you will find it, and, and it's less common, in uh, in other communities in other populations i really really hope that uh, you know also for the common good and the benefit of the of the planet that this will change and the awareness the awareness to the to the linkage between the food system and uh, and and the global uh, global warming will become wider so it sounds to me that uh, without giving a plug intentionally to any particular food you know supermarket chain but it seems to me if i walk into a whole foods and say could you send me to the non-dairy yogurt section they will point me in the direction of your product uh that's right that's right we will be we will uh, onboard the shelves at uh, whole foods this december wow they tested the product they're loving it and we're we're doing the tweaks and the the, the the tweaks and changes we need to the formulation and the packaging and the messaging to uh, adapt to what they expect and what they they ask to to see on the product and hope we will be on the shelves in the northeast region of whole foods uh, this uh, starting this december so just moving the, my your vision a little broader if i if i was to think of you know, there's the traditional supermarket. Um, obviously, with the pandemic, we've become used to even ordering our food online, which was something probably 10 years ago no one could imagine. How, how do you view the future? Let's say 10, 20 years in the supermarket. You know, there was always the butcher and there was the fish place and there, the vegetables. How, how, where do you see? I mean, you're obviously in this part of this new trend where we're moving away from animal-based food products. What, what do you think we'll be looking at? Well, I think they will all be there in 10 years. The, mm-hmm. the shift is very gradual, is very slow. Uh, things cannot happen in one day. There are millions of people who make their living out of serving, servicing the, 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 those industries in this way or another. So on one hand, for sure, change is coming and it will increase because quite honestly, the, the planet cannot support uh, the animal farming the way it's done today. And it has been done for the last uh, 200 years. Uh, there the aren't enough resources. So something will have to change. On the other hand, it's changing uh, lifelong habits of uh, people. It takes time. It doesn't happen in a day. So our two cents or our contribution to moving the needle is creating an option that people could crave for regardless if it's plant-based or not plant-based and, and to take it off shelf just because they're loving it and it's, and it's great and delicious. And I believe that's where most plant-based brands are aspiring to, to, to go to, to, to go to, if, if you will, 
an agnostic place where the the products are consumed not because of being uh be, being uh, placed or classified this way or another be, just for being great products delicious product affordable products and I believe that's where the whole industry is going to so let me ask you my, my final question I grew up uh I had a grandfather who was in the uh, poultry business. And as a child, I, I yeah. worked there. I helped pack. I helped deliver. Uh, we were also had eggs. I used to grate eggs and, and uh, pack them. Uh, but, but my grandfather, after all those years, was not a big fan of eating chicken. Okay? Yeah. He worked with it all day. Are you, are you a daily consumer of your product? Is it something that you... Uh, I can tell you I love our plain yogurt. Our plain yogurt is the perfect uh, perfect structure to to add either fruit or nut or spice. Uh, it, it has it has a rich uh, natural flavor, a, a deep flavor that that we know how to to assign to it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I, I eat them when I can eat them. Uh, unfortunately, when I'm in Israel, I don't have them available because we right. manufacture in the U.S. and sell in the U.S. Uh, but maybe one day they will be available for consumers here as well. I, I sure hope so. So just to leave my, my listeners with, how, how do they hear more about CHKP, Chickpea? Well, check out our LinkedIn page, uh, CHKP Food. Check out our uh, uh, our website, uh, www.chkpfoods.com and uh, drop us a line through social or through the website. Happy to connect. Great. Okay. So we wish you great success. And uh, my next trip in the U.S., I, I'm going to actually be there end of November. I don't know if I'll, I'll be yeah. able to find it then, but uh, yeah, I'll... I'll write you before. Maybe you can point me in the Chicagoland area where I could find it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to hearing your feedback. And thank you very much, Noam, for taking Thanks. the time. And Thanks for uh, having me. We look forward to hearing good things about chickpea. I thank hope you. you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.pstein.com or look for Philip Stein and Associates on Facebook and LinkedIn. 